give God a hand clap of praise. We, uh, we want to thank God for Amara singing today. Yeah, Amara. Our praise ensemble, they, they do a great job. Uh, God is awesome. He's awesome. There is a passage of scripture that I've been led to today to end calendar 2013 usher us into 2014 it seems as if to me this year the holiday season has been so condensed it's just as if Christmas just zoomed by. I don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't stop long enough to smell everything I needed to smell. Do everything I needed to do to really enjoy it. And to be honest with you, I didn't do as much as I normally do. But it seems like it just flew by to me and then the new year is upon us so quickly. But the truth of the matter is it's the same amount of time it was last year. It's never that the time is short, and it's always what we do with the time. And so, on this 52nd Sunday of the year, the Lord led me to one of Paul's passages of Scripture found in Philippians. You're familiar with it. Chapter, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12, reads, Not, I'm reading the King James Version, it may be a little bit different up there. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I like his writing. He said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is is ahead for just a little while 
this morning. I want you to help me as I use this as a central thought. Turn the page. Turn, turn the page. Turn to somebody and say, I got to turn the page. Yeah. It's a minister named Bill Vaughn who's been quoted as saying, Youth is when you're allowed to stay up late on New Year's Eve. Middle age is when you're forced to. I found that to be to be true. He also went on to say that an optimist stays up until midnight to see the new year end. A pessimist stays up to make sure the old year leaves. The new year is a great point to change. Although you're aware that we all, each of us, celebrate two new years in our annually, each of us celebrates two new years. One new year you and I celebrate is our individual birthday. That's your personal new year. That's a good point for you to do some things. It can be treated the same as December 31st for you. And of course the other is the one we all celebrate collectively and that's the end of the calendar year, December 31st. It's a good start point. People, people, make resolutions, I don't advise it. I don't. I don't advise you making plans just because uh, uh, you haven't resolved to do it earlier. I don't, I don't anticipate you waiting until December 31st every year to decide to do something. If you want to change, change today. Change today, don't wait till the 31st. Don't, 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 don't allow the marketing that goes on that makes you think that now you got to go spend your money on a gym membership. <laughs> you have not seen as many diet commercials as you will see in the month of December. Why? Because all of them want you to get tied in to that. Now, is there something wrong with the diet? No. No, there's nothing wrong with living healthier. Nothing. But that's a decision you can make any day. And it doesn't mean you got to go slide your money to one of these organizations in order, because statistically, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, most folks say that that which you start at the 1st of January, you stop by March. I advise everybody to go be a part of the Y. I've been on the board at the Y for 15 years. You hear what I say? I've been known to go in there. Like you, I've got plans to do something different. I gotta do something different. If I don't, I gotta get a new wardrobe. I do. And I don't intend I do intend on getting a new wardrobe, but it's gonna be smaller. Yeah, yeah, we all make plans. We all make plans for 
for the new year. I have had some gift cards from my family, some substantial gift cards for going by some new suits since at least Father's Day. And I have, I have not used them because I refuse to go and buy new clothes at this size. That's my personal motivation. I won't spend them until I can buy it at the size that I want to buy it. All right. that, that, everybody's got to have their own motivation. Now, that's a hard thing because there is something directly tied to me spending those clothes and not stopping by McDonald's. There's a connection. If I ever want to, I got to stay away from you. <laughs> I got to stay away from rice catering, too. I mean, listen, there's some things that I've got to do if I anticipate being able to use, use those cards. And I'm going to. I'm going to. I, I, I'm going to. You know why? Because I can. And, and, and that's part of what that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Let's let's see if we can let's see if we can get that. Paul tells us some things, teaches us some things in this passage of scripture. I wonder if you picked them out like I picked them out. Let's see if you can identify a few of the things that Paul is telling us in this little three these three small verses that I want to give you a, a, a heads up. Paul is in prison when he's writing this. Paul is not in an ideal situation when this scripture is being written. He has been on the house arrest. And uh, Paul is near death. He's a few years away, a couple of years away from actually being killed when he writes this. But he has spent the last few years being the most prolific church planter the Bible has ever seen. Paul planted more churches. Now, now let's look back at, at, at this Paul that planted these churches because his background would not have lent itself to him being a church planner. It was exactly opposite of how he started coming up that he would actually become a, a church planner. That's part of the lessons that Paul is teaching us from this passage of scripture. Let me quickly go through these lessons. The first lesson that we can learn from Paul's writing in this passage is that, the first one is that everybody has errors in their past. Everybody. Everybody. Is there anybody in here who is not part of everybody? Everybody. Yeah. Anybody in here who says that they don't have something in their past that they would do over or do different has selective memory. Yeah. Everyone has errors in their past. And I'm, not, I'm using that, ter that terminology carefully. Errors in their past. There are some things in the story of your life that you wish you could go back and put correction fluid over. Yeah. You wish you had a, a, a backspace to go back over yeah, the little arrow in the corner of the computer when you mess up and you can go hit it and it undoes. Yeah, you wish you had one of those in your pocket so you could undo some things you've done and start over again. I love it in some of the programs that I work in when I'm, 
And I found that the only way to learn the programs is just to get on them and do them. But inevitably, when you do that, you're going to make some mistakes. But the people who put it together knew what they were doing. They created the little arrow. And the little arrow will allow you to go and just erase what you've done and start over again. That's some folks that you got involved with that you wish you could just go undo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's some, that's some decisions that you made that you wish in hindsight. Even though all the signs were there, even though folk were telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. You went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah. Paul would be the one to write this, if you think about it. He was a, look, he was a Pharisee. Paul was arrogant. He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Yeah, he, he didn't just say I was with the man. He said, I was the man. I was the man with the man, not sitting next to the man. Paul said, I was the man. And not only that, Paul said, I was on my way to staying in charge and being the man. I was working my way up through this religious system. Went to church regularly. They called it synagogue. As often as it met, he went. He was there. He was recognized. He was respected in the synagogue. And this Paul, even though he was religiously involved, still messed up. Now, I want you to think about that. Put that into your own context. Even though you may have been raised in the church, even though you may have been active in the church, even though you may have known right from wrong, you still messed up, still made some choices that everybody said, don't do it. You could see your mama going, tisk, tisk, tisk. <laughs> don't do that. And you made an error. Yeah. So just like Paul, you also have an imperfect past. The reason you have an imperfect past is because not just of the presence of good, but you also have sin in your life. Now, come on now, admit it to yourself. I know, I know you've been feeling real good lately, but you got to acknowledge that you had sin in your life. I had some junk in my life. And guess what? If we're honest with ourselves, we still do. We still do. Be honest. Let's be, we're in, we, let's be honest. We still got some. But everybody we learn from Paul has errors in their past. The second thing we learn from Paul is that you don't have to be a slave. You don't have to be in bondage to your past. Come on now. Paul releases us from the guilt that comes with the stuff we've done. Some of us cannot stop reading that page in our lives. Some of us wake up in the morning reading the same page over and over again. The story still reads the same. I still messed up. It's just like a book we used to read to one of the kids when they were growing up. At some point, you can recite it by memory. You open it up, and in fact, they learn by just listening how to say it along with you. Today is shopping day. I sit high, I can still remember it all these, all these years later. 
reading that book over and over and over again, that's how some of us do our lives. The day we messed up, we put that page in our mind and we read it over and over again as if we expect there to be a different ending. It's the same error. It's the same mistake. The same, you reach the same point wishing you could do it over. But instead, you just, you just sit there stuck. Don't know how to get. But I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to be in bondage to your past. Look, look, look at what Paul said. All right? Paul's in prison. All right? He could have said, look, I know I put a lot of people in prison. Paul could have said, I, I know I even voted for the death penalty for Christians and made sure that it was executed on some folk. But instead, Paul writes something that's counterintuitive in this passage of Scripture. If you look at verse 13 of that passage of Scripture, Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what's ahead. Forgetting what's, what's behind. Don't, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't even look up at me. Just look straight. How many of y'all have trouble forgetting? Don't, don't look. I didn't even get to forgiving. Yeah, how many of you have trouble forgetting? Yeah, we all do. We all do. Don't let the right music play. Right music play and you right back where you were. Thought I was doing good. Next thing you know, Kleenex time. Some of us, the problem we have in life is that we can't, won't forget. Now, there are some things worth remembering. I'm not talking about those things. You know those healthy memories we have, those good memories, those uplifting, encouraging memories. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the memories that make you think you're worthless, that make you think people don't care about you, the memories that constantly remind you you messed up. You didn't get A, B, C, or D, or him or her. You keep remembering that over and over and over again. And Paul says, you don't have to be a slave. You don't have to be in bondage to that. Yeah. Forget what's behind. And strain for, push, exert. Yeah. Paul said, Paul said, it doesn't matter that I've been a hell raiser. That's what Paul said now. It doesn't matter that I've been a hell raiser. I can do better than what I've been doing. Yeah. How many people look at their circumstances and, 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 and decide that it's just not worth trying anymore? Some folk have just given up trying to do better. They just want to rest on the reputation they have of being whatever. And whatever is not good. I'm just going to stay right here. How many folk need to know today that you don't have to be in bondage to your past. Paul is telling us that. Not only is he telling us that, that, that second thing, that we don't have to be in bondage to our past. Look at this, church. Paul is also saying, no matter your, your present circumstances, you can start a new chapter. No matter where you are today, you can turn the page. You can start a new, a new chapter in your life. Paul was an old man under house arrest, a few years from the gallows where they 
where they did him a favor and beheaded him. Paul could have sat back and said, you know, I've done my work. I've, 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 I've planted enough churches, and, and uh, it's time to let another generation do it. I'm going to let Timothy and Titus take over and move forward with this, this church thing. He could have said that. Some of us have said that. So some of us have said, you know, when I was younger, I did that at the church. Or, or when, when I used to be on this mission. Or, but I decided that I'm just going to sit right here, just rest on my laurels, count my reward right now. But you can always, always start a new chapter. I'll give you a case in point. That's some famous folks who we know didn't think it too much to be later in life and start a new chapter. Colonel Sanders. I know y'all know who Colonel Sanders is. Yeah. He's always a guest at somebody's table. Yeah. Colonel Sanders was 63 years old. Can you imagine how much chicken he had burned up before he figured out what the, what the secret recipe was? He was 63 years old when he launched into his new career with KFC. 63. How many folks you know at age 63 are starting something new at that point? My former law partner, Judge Helen Shores Lee. I tell the story all the time. She is a circuit judge now. In fact, she's the first black circuit judge to sit on the civil bench in Jefferson County. Comes from a famous heritage of, of lawyers, her father, Arthur Schultz. But she was a clinical psychologist, had a whole career as a clinical psychologist. She was 43 when she started law school. And we graduated at the same time from law school and ended up being partners. She was 40, hear me now, she was 43 when she started. Now she's a circuit judge. It's never too late to start a new chapter in your life. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Some of you think, I've been, I've been resting on this relationship I have with the Lord for a long time, but I need to tell you this, your relationship with the Lord can be better. You could be closer to the Lord than you are right now. Some of you are satisfied with the relationship you have. And I'm here to tell you, there's a new chapter available to you. Paul didn't think that just being slapped by Jesus Christ on Damascus Road was enough. Paul didn't think that just starting new churches in the name of Jesus Christ was enough. Paul, still at his, at his age, thought there's something more I can know about him. And all I want to do is know him better. Now, I'll ask you that question. Is it your desire to know the Lord better? How much better would your life be if your life allowed you to get closer to Jesus Christ? But that brings up the problem. See, he said, forgetting what is behind and... Here you go. Somebody hit me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the rub in all of this, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us would get closer if all we had to do was sit with our hands folded. The problem is there's some exertion that's got to be put in. You got to do something. Yeah, and that brings up this fourth point. Change requires intentional, determined effort. There's a word that doesn't fit real well 
when it comes to learning more about the Lord and serving him, that word is convenience. Convenience. I love convenience. Yeah, it, it, life is full of conveniences. Most of us design our lives so that it can be as convenient as possible. Oh, yeah. In fact, people who know how to leave you of your conveniences are usually going to be rich. They are. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna relieve you from anything that might, look, 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 people got tired of cooking breakfast in the morning. They didn't like it. They needed something quick and they needed something on the way to work. That's why McDonald's biggest menu is breakfast. Oh yeah, if we can remove some inconvenience from you, then we'll thrive. The problem is, the problem is, in your relationship with Christ, hold on now, hold, hold, hold somebody's hand if you have to, there's going to be inconvenience. You're going to be inconvenienced. Oh yeah. Can the pastor and me talk right now? Can, can the pastor say something? Yeah, the reason why Bible study and Sunday school seems to be on the decline in churches everywhere is because it's inconvenient to folk. Oh, somebody ought to say amen, Reverend, because you vote amen every morning. Every morning you vote amen. Every time there's a gathering and you don't show up, you're saying it's at the wrong time. Amen, Reverend. Come on. Somebody ought to amen me before the year is out. Come on now. <laughs> Change requires, what was that word you said? Press. You got to press. You got you to put some, some force into it. Verse 12 of that passage of scripture says, I press on. Paul said, I'm not too old to change. I'm still willing to work hard, so I'm pressing. I'm straining, straining toward what's ahead. Many of us will press for lesser things than we will on our relationship with the Lord. Some of us will press in line to get a good discount on a purse. Uh-oh. Some of us will press in line to get the latest gadget. Some of us will press, we'll exert ourselves, we'll put ourselves out of position, but we won't press in church. Yeah, I've come to tell you today, it's time to turn the page. It's time to turn the page on some of this thinking that we've got. Yeah, so how, how, do, we, how do we do this? How do we do this? How do, we, how do we go through this process where we recognize that everybody's got errors in their past, realizing that I don't have to be in bondage to those errors, never mistaking the fact that even though I might be in a tough situation right now, I can still change. And if I'm willing to exert myself in the process, what do I need to do to get there? Here you go, I'm glad you asked me that question. The first thing you need to know is this. You can turn the page on a lot of things in your life, but when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ, I just, I'm talking to the folk who's serious now. I'm talking to the folk who really want to do better. 
I'm talking to the members of the congregation, those listening right now. If you're not a member of the congregation, if you're just here seeking, you want a, a closer relationship, you need something different because you acknowledge that what I've been doing is not working. The way I've been going has been frustrating every year for the last few years. I reached December 31st with the same feeling as I started January 1st. I'm no closer. I'm no better. I'm no wiser. I'm no richer. What do I need to do in order to make this relationship better? Even if I don't get no more money, even if I don't get the, the, the princess, even if I don't get the prince, how can I reach the end of the year and feel better than I felt at the first of the year? And the only way you can do that is to be content with what Jesus Christ has blessed you with. That, that's some folk who started 2013 with a whole lot more than they have today. And yet they don't have a problem standing up saying, thank you, Lord. You took some stuff, but you didn't take it all. So how do we get to that point? What, what are the factors that will allow me to do better? The first thing is this. You need, and, and these are not going to be easy points. I'm going to tell you this right now. They're not. You're not going to be happy. The first thing you need to do is turn the page on a casual relationship with Jesus. You need to turn the page on a casual relationship with Jesus. Some of us are in a relationship with Jesus like we are dating. Oh yeah, we just dating. Come on, come on, make that plain, Reverend Sparks. You know how it is when you were dating somebody but you weren't ready for a commitment. You wanted him to be available whenever you call, but you didn't want him otherwise getting in the way of your life. Well, don't call me if I don't call you now. Oh yeah, it's a casual relationship you have. Oh yeah, if I need something, I'll call you. If I want something, I'll call you. But you can't impose anything on me. You can't require anything of me. It's a casual relationship. Yeah, I want to see other people. Uh-oh, don't act like. Oh, come on now. I love the Lord, but I check my horoscope too. <laughs> come on, you seeing other folk. You're not putting it all on Jesus Christ. You, you, got, you got a couple of other things you put, you, you put your, your stock in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know he's my provider. I know he's Jehovah Jireh, but I still got to buy me a, a, a Powerball ticket. Come on now. It's a casual relationship. If he's your provider, then you don't need Lotto. Oh, y'all don't want to hear me today. Turn the page on a casual relationship with the Lord. Yeah, that, that includes this. I got it up here for you. No more do-it-yourself faith. Yeah, that, that's the rage these days. You turn on TV, and there's a DIY show. You can fix your house. Yeah, you can redo your bathroom. Yeah, you can, you can redo your yard if you want to. Let me tell you this. You don't know how to make your own faith. You need a relationship a, a solid relationship with the Lord if you're going to have a solid faith. So no more do-it-yourself faith. When you, when you do it yourself, 
<laughs> then then you 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 make prayer optional when you do it yourself. When, when you do it yourself, it don't just have to be the Bible that you read. It, it can be all sorts of good stuff that you read. In fact, I can even watch stuff that don't have nothing to do with the Bible. I just want to know. No more do-it-yourself faith. You need to be taught. And in order to be taught, you have to be willing to be, you have to be teachable. I love this about church. I love when folk come in and they tell me, I'm not learning anything. I'm not getting fed. You got to have an appetite. You have to have an appetite. My grandson would say, you want this? No. He'll say no. Even if I know he hadn't eaten anything. Even if I know he hadn't had anything all day, he'll still say no. And guess what we have to do? We have to make him sit down and eat. Guess what you have to make yourself do? Sit down and eat and be fed. You have to press yourself. You have to press yourself in a pew. You have to press yourself in a seat. And you have to listen to somebody who knows more about scripture than you do. It doesn't have to be the deepest theologian in the world. They just have to know more than you do about what's being talked about. That's the only... Look, look, look. look. In, in court, in court, the definition of an expert used to be somebody that came with all sorts of degrees and certifications. They simplified it some years ago. The definition of an expert now is simply a person who has more experience than the person they're telling. That would be the judge or the jury. And so if you can come in and tell me more about whatever the issue is than I already know, then in that instance, you can be my expert. All right? You need to know that there are folk who can teach you more about this Christian journey than you know yourself. And so you got to stop this do-it-yourself faith. You also got to do this. You got to stop being a decent devil. The kingdom of God does not need any roughnecks. <laughs> oh, 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 the kingdom of God does not need somebody who can be hard one instant and soft at another instant. That, that's not what we need. We don't need somebody who can always keep it real. No, you ought to change. The thug you used to be ought to change. Don't nobody want to hear me today. Yeah, 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 yeah. The lip, we, 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 got, we got folk who, who, who pay lip service instead of life service. Yeah. Jesus say, if you love him, you'll obey him. If we don't obey him, then arguably we don't love him. That's a simple equation. If you love me, then do what I say do. If he's really in you, then there'll be evidence of him in you. There should be no thugs for Christ. There might be ex-thugs for Christ, 
But there should be no thugs for Christ. Nobody who's trying to make Christ exist in a thug world. Because he ought to be changing you. No heavenly hustlers. People want Jesus to bless their hustle. He ought to be changing you. You ought to become legitimate. Come on now. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, I, I didn't write this. If any man is in Christ, he is a... Y'all know it? You know it, and yet folks say they've been in Christ for decades, still doing the foolishness they've been doing. It's time to turn the page. It's time to turn the page. I'm tired of seeing old men act like little boys and brag about it. It's time to turn the page. Don't take that into the next phase. You don't have to keep it real with them. You just have to be real with them. You don't have to relive and you don't have to keep rehearsing all the mistakes you made as if that's what made you a man. Another thing you got to do is stop acting like you're being made to come to church. Or that somebody's making you do some work in the church. If you're pressing, you ought to want to be with the saints. You ought to want to be in the body of Christ. There ought to be some work you want to do for the Lord. Stop acting like you acted when you were six and your mama said, get ready to go to church. Some folk get up in the morning like they've been forced. And these are grown folk. You ought to come in here with the joy of the Lord in you. The fact that you can cross the threshold, you ought to say, thank you, Lord. I've been able to make it. Nobody should have to make you feel good about being here. Turn the page on this casual relationship you have with Jesus Christ. Not only that, you need to turn the page on unforgiveness. Oh, yeah. Some of us have made a lifestyle of being mad at somebody. Being mad at somebody. We have built up our life since the injury we experienced. And our whole life is centered around the anger and the hurt we have because somebody did something to us. So I'm going to release you here today. All the young men that didn't get raised with their daddy, get in line behind me. Yeah, you can move on. Turn the page. All right? He may not have done A, B, C, or whatever with you. Turn the page. Yeah, don't keep reading over and over again, my daddy wasn't there for me. No, 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 because what happens is when you become a father, you'll be reading your own page. And because you're reading your own page, you can't pay attention to the one you got. Turn the page. Same thing goes for young ladies. I know you may not have had a daddy to be the one to be there for. Turn the page. Turn the page. Move on to another relationship. Yeah, every man ain't going to be like he was. In fact, while you keep reading over how sorry he was, you're missing this dude. Who's trying to be... Turn! Turn the page. 
start a new chapter in your life. There's somebody there who's trying to write a new story with you. You didn't even you missed the cue when Prince Charming came in. Why? Because you were still dealing with Voldemort over here. Still concentrating on him. You know you ain't supposed to say his name anyway, but he's over here. And Prince Charming has already come on the scene. Turn the page, start a new story in your life. And I got news for you, every prince doesn't come in shining armor. Some of them come with mud on their boots. Oh yeah, some of them come and they don't know as much as you do. And they can still be a prince. Yeah, some of them come when the only armor they have is the ability to love you like you want to be loved. That's enough to be your prince. Stop overlooking him. Turn the page on the fool you knew was a fool when you selected the fool. Turn the page on him. Yeah, yeah, and he's still a fool. Turn the page on him. Your mama said he's a fool. And you said, but I love him. Guess what? He's still a fool, and everybody stopped listening to you years ago talk about that fool. Just because you had a baby with him don't make the baby a little fool. All right? As long as you do what you're supposed to do, that can be a fine young man. A fine young lady, that's what you got to do. But leave the fool in the last chapter. Turn the page on unforgiveness. Scripture says this, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Some of you have let, and that, that, that meant, that, that's a day. Some of you have let days, weeks, months, years, decades go down on your anger. And all it's doing is festering. Turn the page on unforgiveness. Look, look, when you decide to forgive, I told you this in the marriage series we did. When you decide to forgive, what you're doing is not letting them off the hook. You're letting yourself off the hook. You're, you're helping yourself not to have to live with the burden that comes with not forgiving somebody. Turn the page. The next thing you got to do, and I'm getting out of here, is turn the page on that sin. Yeah, yeah, that. You see, on that sin. Everybody in here has got that sin. Whatever your that sin is, the one you've been dragging along, what you look at on the computer, who you call when you ain't supposed to, what you drink when you're away from the, turn the page. Stop hiding. One of these days, I'm going to jump out in the aisle at right way. When I see you in there buying that 12-pack all the time. Yeah, I'm going to jump out. I care more about your reputation than you do sometimes. I seen you in the store buying a lot of bill. And I go down the other aisle just so I won't embarrass you. care more about you and your reputation than apparently you do. There's nothing illegal about buying a bill. I ain't got no problem with it. Yeah, yeah, but don't hold yourself out one way. 
Get rid of that sin. Get rid of it. Close the door and stop saying, I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, that sin does not have to be something that's, that's uh, lewd and lascivious. It can be overeating. It could. It, it could be getting tired of not being able to bend over and tie your shoes. Get rid of that sin. Get rid of that sin. Get rid of not being able to walk up a flight of stairs because you keep sitting down in front of too much stuff. Get rid of that. That's a sin. That's something that's damaging you. Whatever it is you need to get out of your life. Get rid of that sin. Yeah. How about this? Turn the page on handling God's money your way. Turn the page. Stop it. Stop. What you've been doing ain't working. You keep having the same problem over and over again. Still ending up with the resources God has blessed you with. Hello, Andre. You ought to be living large. But we keep not being good stewards. Uh oh, see, somebody think you got to be rich in order to live well. That, that, that's a misnomer. Now, that's a misnomer. I, I can tell you right now, in your house, you can make less than $18,000 a year, if that's a lot of money, and you can live well. Oh, somebody say, how in the world can you do that? Because all your bills paid? You, can, you got good credit? Which means what I don't have, folk don't mind letting me borrow up to the amount that I can afford to pay back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know it's true because my 93-year-old, my 91-year-old granddaddy said it. And I know how much he made. I know what bills he had. And I know what it sounds like when somebody tells you, I don't worry about nothing. Stop trying to handle God's money your way. Guess what? If you start from this premise, it's his. Let him direct me on how to deal with it. You can't help but get better. Can't help but get better. This is a good segue for me to tell you, starting in, January, in February, we're having Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University here. If you have been looking for an opportunity to learn how to balance your budget, work with your resources from a Christian perspective, right here is the place you need to be. And let me tell you, you're going to have to press in order to do it. It ain't free. But all the schemes you're trying to pay their loans and all that stuff, that ain't free either. All right? So it's not free. There's going to be an enrollment cost for you to get the material you need for your household. Not just for you. It's for your whole household. One fee. And every Monday for nine Mondays, you're going to have to press and be here so we can learn how to do better. And just think, if 2014 ends better than 2013, then it would have been worth the price to come. So we'll have a free preview on January 27th. It's free. Anybody want to come, check it out. I guarantee you, you'll leave want to be a part of it. Stop spending God's money wrong. And the last thing is this, and it's not going to be easy. Turn the page on being common. Oh, yeah. Turn the page on being common. 
Turn the page. Stop. Look, look, this is the definition of being common. Mediocre. Yeah. Inferior in quality. Low. Coarse. Vulgar. Lacking rank or distinction. Some folk will go around and call themselves common. You don't want to be common in Christ. In fact, there is no being common. Folk want to just be average. You weren't called into this walk to be average. Nobody made the sacrifices that had to be made for you just to be common. Oh, oh, oh. come on. Look, look, look. Some of you have been stuck in a rut. You've been doing the same thing spiritually for years. You, you've never gotten any better. You got to a place that you thought was good in terms of your relationship with the Lord, and you've just been sitting there rocking. And you don't, it doesn't matter what comes along, it doesn't matter what new there is to help you understand or do better, you just keep rocking. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter how much folks try to encourage you or spur you on, you just, you just keep rocking. Yeah, yeah, nobody can say anything because you know it all. You got it all. I'm, I'm saved and I'm safe. But you can't get any better. You can't get any closer to the Lord because you just stuck in a rut. Zig Ziglar said that a rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. Oh, yeah. Stuck. Stuck in a rut. I, I guarantee you don't have a rut when it comes to cooking at your house because ain't nobody here still cooking on coal. Everybody in here got an electric or a gas stove. You, you moved with technology then. Ain't nobody here still looking at no flow model TV. Rap few people with tubes in it. Most of y'all got something that's been upgraded so you can put your cable on it. You're not stuck in a rut there. Nobody came to church this morning, Dwayne, riding a buggy. Everybody came in a car. You're not stuck in a rut there. Nobody's still wearing the same clothes they wore 50 years ago. You're not stuck in a rut there. But yet, when it comes to being in a relationship with the Lord, you'll, you'll take your same old 1960s relationship and bring it into 2014. You'll bring your same old old relationship with the Lord. There's not a man in here who's been married for any length of time who hadn't had to up his game a little bit to make sure he can stay married. Or woman. You, you got to change something. You can't stay stuck in a rut. And some of us are confident that our relationship with the Lord was all right then. But I'm here to tell you today that your relationship can be better. Today is the time for you to turn the page. It's time for you to get a deeper relationship with the Lord. He's got something for you. Paul didn't let the fact that he was in prison. So I said, stop being common. Y'all act like I said something bad about that. We don't have time for average Christians. 
I need some above average folk. I need some folk who believe in excellence. Come on now. I need some folk who believe in doing it right every time. So, so let's make this commitment. I'm going to turn the page and I'm going to make sure that every time there's a, there's a Bible study, if nobody else shows up every time in 2014, I'm going to make a commitment myself that I'm going to show up. That's my, that's my game changer. That's my game changer. Every time there's a church meeting, if nobody else shows up, I'm going to make a commitment to myself that in 2014, I'm going to turn the page and I'm going to show up every single time there's a meeting. What's your game changer? What's your page turner? What are you going to do different than you've been doing so you can grow closer, closer to the Lord? I don't know. Maybe you're not singing at all and you know you can't. Maybe my page turner is I'm going to get up and come to the choir. Maybe I'm going to do that. Maybe I'm going to be a part of the, of the hugs ministry. Maybe I'm going to just ask the pastor, what is it that you need to have done around here that nobody else is doing? Whatever it is, you got to decide yourself, how am I going to turn the page on my life? There's a movie that many of you have seen called Groundhog Day. The premise of the movie is this. Bill Murray wakes up one day and he goes through the motions of his life not considering that anything is any different and something happens to, to him through that day so that the next day he wakes up he experiences the very same thing that he experienced the day before and he experiences it every day after that. Imagine that. Your life never changes. Everything you've been going through, you repeat that every day. That means all the bad that you experience on today. Tomorrow you're going to get up and it's going to be the same bad. Everything. But then he realized something. He realized that even though I seem stuck in this rut and I seem to be doing the same thing over again, I have control over what I do in the span of a day. Oh, I might get up in the morning and the radio might repeat and the TV might repeat, but I can change. You can change. You can change how you deal with the time that God has given you. You, you can change. You can be better today than you were yesterday. You can change. But you got to change the page that you're reading. You, you got to change it. It's time for a new chapter in your life. And in order to have a new chapter in your life, I don't know why you would write the same old villains into your new story. I'm not writing the villains. The folk that used to pick on me when I was growing up, I didn't write them into the new chapter of my life. Yeah, I left them out. In fact, I had some problems when I was growing up. They were enormous problems at the time. But because of how God has blessed me in my life, what looked like it was going to be a chapter in my life has become a footnote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be allowed, I'm not going to allow the negative circumstances of my life to dictate what my life is about. Yeah, you might read that Andre has some problems, but they'll never, never be bigger than his promise. Never be bigger than the good stuff that happened. 
And so I'm here to tell you today, it's time for you to start a new chapter in your life. Sin had written a story in our lives for so long. It had taken out person after person. In fact, every person that ever lived knew that that chapter would end the same way. That story would end the same way. They knew that at the end of the book of their life, they were going to die. They knew that until heaven wrote a new ending to our story. And the way heaven wrote a new ending to our story was by interjecting a plot twist that death couldn't control. The plot twist was this. His name was Jesus. He came in an unorthodox way. He lived in an un unorthodox day. Wait, he died in an un unorthodox way. And guess what? Because he lived, died in such an unusual way, it stands to reason that God would have to do something different. And he did. He raised him from the dead. He resurrected him. He let death think that he had control of Jesus Christ. He let death think that he had won it and that Jesus' life was going to end like everybody else's life. But then the change came. And God himself stepped into Jesus' grave and raised him from the dead. And now I'm glad to tell you, because Jesus' life made the difference in mankind, my life is different. Your life is different. Because Jesus lived, I can expect that the ending to my story is going to be completely different. So I'm not living to die. I'm living to live. I got heaven on my mind. I'm living like I'm on my way to heaven right now. My walk to heaven has already started. Has your walk to heaven started? Have you written that? You can go ahead today and write the ending to your story. You might write in my book that I was married to Karen for 65 years, but you can go ahead and turn the page to the end and say, and then he died and went to heaven. It's already there for me. Is it there for you? I wonder if the ending to your book says, and then he went to heaven. If you don't know what the ending to your book is today, and today is the day to finalize that chapter. Get it together today. Make sure you know that at the conclusion of it all, you're going to be in heaven with me. It's my power to open the doors to the church while the choir sings this song. Come on, write the end into your story. Accept Christ Jesus.